Paging Dr. Siler. Paging Dr. Siler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. This is per what Million Dollar Bill Keevan, our producer, said in the opening piece. Yeah. I'm so glad we didn't take his advice to name the show Drip, Drip, Drip. No, exactly. You know? <laughs> Especially with the Stock Doctor, because you're basically one letter off from a catastrophe. You really are. You know? Anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's give you a reference. The show's being dropped on Monday, May 8th. It's Drip, Drip, Drip. Not dripped. Dropped. <laughs> dropped. On Monday... May 8th, 2023. I'm not sure what episode this is, but it's in the hundreds. I think it's 128. 128? Okay. It feels like just yesterday. I can't believe there's that many in the can. Episode one. That's fine. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> that many. Episode 128. And um, by the way, but we are recording it, just so you know, on Cinco de Mayo. Or yeah. AKA, Nikki, what do you call it? We should be doing tequila shots. We should day. be. We should be. Amateur night? Oh, yeah. No, tonight's amateur hour. Yeah. I think it's amazing how rookies everybody all of a sudden celebrates this this heritage on, on this day as though it's their own. Right. Right. You know? Well, same thing with St. Patrick's Day. Same thing with every any excuse to yeah. drink. Yeah. Any. Exactly. I mean, I had a quesadilla at lunch, so, you know, I've already celebrated. <laughs> did, did we check her for booze on her way back in today? I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Brindley and I, we really got down yeah. Yeah. at yeah. lunch, my niece and I. <laughs> All right, so great, uh, great to have you guys, and we have a this is a really, really we're going over uh, material we're going to talk about today, and there's just it could go on and on, but we don't want to do that to you. No, boring. Right. I don't want to do a a 95 minute podcast. We're going to try and knock this out in 30 minutes or less, okay? And uh, we hope you learned something. But let's talk about real quick what the markets, and this is what this show is about. It's, it's talking about the markets, giving you education giving you some insight, and hopefully you learn something and can apply it to your investing. But the good news is if you can't or don't want to apply it to your investing, all you have to do is call the office, 407-831-8002. So let's talk about what the market is doing today. It's Friday, and the time we're we're recording, it's about – uh, a little afternoon at 12:20 p.m. The Dow Jones is right now up 384 points at 33,512. The S&P up 57 at 41.18. The Nasdaq up 206. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, up at 12,172. Small cap stocks also having a really good day. They needed it up 21 points at 11.34. And 
let's talk. There's a, there's a lot causing what's going on. First of all, this week has not been great. No, no. I think it, I don't remember. Did we close up or down yesterday? Anybody? Down. Down. Okay, so that was like our fourth consecutive down day. Several down mm-hmm. days in a row. So f- this week has just basically been down. And I'll tell you what it's we are. It's been a whiplash. So far week. for the week, we're down on the S&P a little over 1%. Yeah, that's significant. I mean, enough to mention. And that's inclusive of right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. despite today on the S&P being up 1.38, we're still down 1.17. Oh, wow. So we yeah. have quite a long way to go to be. Yeah, we're going to have a negative week. There's we're no doubt about it. Ma- negative Nick's in the building negative now. Negative Nick, you are here. <laughs> but let's talk about what happened. Of course, the Fed met uh, earlier this week. And what did they do? Well, they did what was expected. They did raise the uh, federal funds rate up 25 basis points. And that, again, was no surprise. But the Fed funds rate now sits at 5 to five and a quarter, the yep. highest since uh, 2007. I it, They said 15 years, the highest in 15 years. And, and I thought it was longer, to be honest That's with you. 2007. I don't, yeah, I don't remember them being this high in 20, you know, 2007. The pace at which we got here, the, the clip, feels Sorry. so 14 months. Yeah. yeah, you went up uh, 500, basis 500 points. base points in four months. It, like, honestly, every time we talk about what we're expecting at the next meeting, I feel like I don't know, like it's the 12th round. And I, I, I will <laughs> like, say this. you want me to go again? Like, this is still going on? I am really so glad, and I, I you know not everybody is this fortunate, but I am so glad I have no credit card debt because the prime For sure. prime lending rate now is 8.25%, and most credit cards are prime plus. Plus, exactly. And, so if and that plus could be 10. Oh, if you're, could be 15. Just think about this. If you're prime plus 15, where are you at? Well, I mean, that's you're, you're, you're in the 20s. and change. Right, right. And a few years ago, that sounded like it was preposterous like who would pay that now suckers we're all paying it i mean if you have any revolving debt the likelihood is that's where you are so the fed rate hike came in on on this this week on wednesday and the market didn't like it right out of the gate but the fed in my opinion were way more dovish and we'll talk about that but they they deleted a statement from one of their previous statements the fed did say they will determine where their more hikes will be appropriate. So they think if it's appropriate, they will. That tells me that they may not. Because mm-hmm. well, they're no longer oh, that anticipating. Feels, right, that feels like you're right at the top of the, the, the roller coaster. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're forced, may, may I yeah, they're not sure. But here's what they they omitted the statement. This is what they omitted, that they the committee anticipates. Mm-hmm. So before this meeting, they were anticipating another rate hike. Yeah, now they're just reserving Now the rate. they will say yeah. if it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So uh, They're determining. They still have a policy goal of 2% inflation. And again, this is the highest highest rate since August of 2007, by the way. So now what does the market think about it? Well, they didn't think really too highly of it the last two days. So Wednesday was down. Thursday was down big. And then we'll talk about why today is up. But the Fed funds futures, which determines what the Fed will do in the next meeting, which, by the way, is in June – I have a date on that. And but anyway, thirteenth and fourteenth. That's next okay. month. It's next month. Thirteenth and fourteenth. They believe there's an eighty-eight percent chance, eighty-eight percent that the Fed will not do anything, which is the famous pause. Right. So depending on whether or not anything changes between now and then, which it could very likely, you know, more likely than not, will change. Things We're gonna change. have things change, and we'll things talk change. about that too because we, we talked about employment still being really say, great. Yeah. But there are major changes to that over the last couple of months. We'll get there. Uh, but the market is pricing in 88% that the Fed will do nothing in the June meeting. However, they are pricing in, which I call this 50-50, but it's 60% chance of a rate cut in July. In fact, I can go as far as say that the Fed, uh, the I'm sorry, the, the market is pricing in 
three rate cuts this year. I've been long saying one rate cut. I've been yeah. saying this for a long time. I think a Christmas present sometime late in the in the uh, late fall, early winter, you will get a rate cut. But three rate cuts to me sounds like we're going to have a real serious decline in economic economic activity in the next few months to, to have that happen. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I just don't I, I don't see it. I, I've been wrong six times in my life, and, and this could be one of them. But I, I don't – that just seems a little bit too – I don't know. Like they're it just feels pulling like numbers out of the sky, right? And, uh, unless there's some major calamity right. that we are not seeing in the cards whatsoever between now and July that drops on our faces, I don't see it. And that major calamity could have been the banking sector, but Jay Powell muted that that fear. Yeah. He muted it. He said that I don't the feel very comforted. Very, but he said it feels. He he says the banking sector is very strong, and he thinks it will continue to do what it's always done. And these, it sounds to me, he said these banking failures, which are three of them, are anomalies. And I still, I do believe they're anomalies. But I also say that we'd be naive to think there's not another couple or so right. coming in the background. Out. And yeah. and I think we see that. So. But I don't think it's contagion. Even if I don't feel comforted by his words, I don't think it's enough to take down the entire banking system. That's not what I see. Well, the other thing that bothers me is that I saw uh, uh, something from the Financial Times. Yeah, and yesterday. that just disappeared. It disappeared. Why? Because it's media. I looked for it on Financial Times. I couldn't find it, but continue. The Financial Times came right out and said Western Alliance is looking for a, somebody to, to take over their assets. They are about to go under, blah, 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 blah. And it, it added fear to the regional banks yesterday, big time. Yeah. And then Western Financial came right out, literally minutes after it said, that is totally false. We are no way have talked uh, to anybody. It is uh, irresponsible reporting, blah, blah, blah. But then didn't hear one more thing about Nothing it. Nothing for yeah. kids. I was like, wait, what? Right. It's because the media doesn't want to admit talk when they're about wrong. themselves. And, what? And, yeah. They, they don't want to say, oh, they you know can't what? say we got it wrong. They can't be it's, human beings. I have felt, and and I, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but oh, I, I will. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that I'm aware of. Um, I have felt like a lot of what we're hearing, the fear in the banking sector, has somewhat been tied to crypto. And if and if a regional bank isn't really got that exposure, is well, crypto also treasuries. Okay, I mean treasuries, also treasuries, yet yeah, long term, long duration. Okay, I mean. I, the, there was one bank, Signature Bank, I believe, was the one that was really tied to crypto. And right. with S, uh, Silicon. Yeah, now now I'm like all the crypto... Uh, the words. Yeah, like the S, SBF and SVB. So SVB, that one was really just more concentrated within tech and s startup right, money, right. That's VC that money. So I think that, that I think the overall arching theme is niches. So like there's definitely lanes, but not necessarily crypto. I just feel like if this is tied to VC and this is tied to crypto mm -hmm. and you guys are surprised, then it surprises me that anybody's surprised. If you ask me, it seems as though a lot of the crypto stuff, all the hype has been a case of the emperor's new clothes. And, and VC is, man, that stuff is it's well, dangerous. Super aggressive, yeah. Silicon right. Valley Bank was probably destined for failure. Right. Considering they didn't have a risk officer since 2020. Yeah. I would think that's a very important It's a bit part risky. In that, yeah. A very, very <laughs> yeah. important piece of the, your the, upper management. The unfortunate reality so. is the guy who would tell them how risky that is, <laughs> he got shit canned. Didn't exist. <laughs> I wonder why. It's like they did it on purpose or something. So let's talk about real quick. Get into what what a pause actually means. I mean, it it, it is what it is. It says 
That means they're going to pause and decide. That doesn't mean they're going to start cutting or stop. It's, hey, we're taking a breather, going to see how everything pans out. And I'm telling you this, I still think we'll have a rate cut. It wouldn't surprise me they pause in June and hike in July. Sure. I mean, that could happen. They could say, "Mm, we're not quite there yet based on our pause. So, you know, let's get back at it. So let's, uh, after a pause, typically based on the last five times the Fed has paused, which is 2018, 6, 2007, 1995, and 97 and 95. Within a week after, the markets in general, and all those three, when you when you average it out, the market was down 1.84%. Right. Okay, got it. A month after the perceived, or a month after the pause, the last rate hike of the cycle, market was up 1.4. Three months after, 8%. Six months after, almost 12%. But a year after that last rate hike of the cycle, on average, the markets are up 22%. Man, that that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. That along with everything else, third year presidential cycle, you have after the midterms, you know, there's there's just a a lot that I think is with the winds at our back for the market, except for one major thing. Okay. Valuation. Yeah. I mean, the markets aren't cheap. Well, these rates. Yeah. But if if we saw I saw the 10 year treasury three point four, if by chance that treasury sneaks down to three. Now valuations are probably more in line. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole. I know it's a real technical thing. That why would it be? Well, four percent interest rates, those high PE stocks, it, it doesn't work for the market, right? Especially the growth segment. But at three percent ten year Treasury, all of a sudden now, because keep in mind that every percentage point that is higher, it really is very very expensive for these companies to do anything finance wise. Right. Growth at a reasonable price. Exactly. So. Now that we we know that the the Fed potentially could pause, let's talk about what happened this morning. I'm going to get to Apple. I know that's the big news, and to me, that's the most important. For news. me, that is. I, I'm kind of like all this other stuff is <laughs> meh. Fluff, 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 right. fluff, fluff. It's really clear that things are slowing down in the economy, except for that. The, what's not so clear is it that we're we keeping you awake. Yeah, I know. The I, red I, hot. He's like, man, shit's on fire. <laughs> Nikki's <laughs> falling asleep. Jobs, jobs. <laughs> the tab market's still very, very tight, very hot. Non-FAR payrolls that came out this morning uh, increased for the month of April, 253,000. The estimate was 180. You would think on the surface the market would not like that. Uh, unemployment down three to 3.4% from 3.6, lowest since 1969. But I think, and the reason the market's rallying, part of that, of course, Apple earnings has a lot to do with it. Yeah. But part of that is because while we had an upside surprise in April, it offset, there were some downward revisions for the months of March and February. So the Labor Department that comes out with these numbers, they do get a few kicks of the can, right? It doesn't, their, their initial number. They, might have, fall, nice for they them. might have fallen asleep at the wheel. How nice bit, for huh? them. They're like, hey guys, we're just going to throw this out there. We're probably not real accurate so right now. March's number was 236,000. They slashed that down, said, oh, sorry, we screwed up. It's actually 165. So they, they knocked down 78,000. Mm-hmm. In February... They knocked it down seventy eight thousand. I'm sorry, seventy one thousand in in March. In February, they knocked down seventy eight thousand jobs at two forty eight. So what we were three hundred and twenty something thousand, we're two forty eight. See, this is why I feel like the market is just yawning at this news. And I'm like s- I was, I saw that there were more white collar two hundred thousand dollar jobs eliminated in the last few months than ever. Tech jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the jobs market on the surface looks bearish or hawkish 
But when you dig down deep and say, wait a minute, what if what's going to happen next month when they announce May? Are they going to revise April's lower? Not to mention, we talked about that rolling recession, and I think we're seeing that now where in the opposite direction in the sense that you're finally seeing bars and restaurants recoup some of their losses and employees and you're not seeing it in tech tech had no job openings well that's a really good point because tech stocks were the first to take a hit right back in november of 2021 they started to roll over first mm-hmm. then the s&p that's when that last tech high was november 21 the s&p hit a high january 3rd or 4th of 2022 now what we're seeing is the Dow Jones Industrial Average yesterday mm-hmm. was negative for the year. Yeah. Oh. While the Nasdaq was still up 19%. <laughs> wow. So crazy. Yeah. Now the, the the Dow did manage to slide into positive territory for the for year to date, but that is 1.1% year to date. The Nasdaq up 20 year to date and the S&P up 7 year to date. The Russell up 0.14 fractional, mm-hmm. which I think it's a matter of time before the Russell starts catching up. Yeah, right. they're due. Small caps will catch up. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the apple in our eye. <laughs> the biggest holding we've had for quite some time. I own it personally. I don't know if you guys own it personally, but we do own it for clients. It is our biggest holding. But uh, Apple. Are you even allowed to work here if you don't own Apple? The thing I is that it, it always makes it's me like laugh. like initiation. That, it always makes me laugh that I can't wrap up some way to tie in an apple a day with the doctor. You know, like it just an drives me crazy. Keeps the doctor well, away. Justin, but I don't want to keep the doctor away. You just literally walked into my office. I was talking to a client that owned Apple since 2011. Yep. yep. And he's a little concerned about the banking system. Are we protected? Blah, blah, blah. And I was talking about his portfolio. I said, let me just tell you one thing. You, one of your biggest exposure mm-hmm. is Apple. Right. And this is what this is a true, true story. Well, this happens actually a little bit more than just today. I mean, this is a really frequent. Just so happened right before we get on on the podcast, right? So the client we're talking, I said, "Listen," he goes, "Where's my exposure?" I go, "Apple." Yeah, because we invested in 2011 eighty seven hundred dollars in Apple. (laughs) Sorry, I know it's just it's it's it's, beautiful. It's preposterous. And and now his Apple position is worth one hundred twelve thousand. Right. He's up 1,100% in Apple. Yep. He goes, oh, wow. You know what's funny is I remember the day, and it may not have been that specific purchase, but I remember at the time, and, you know, we're talking about 2007. I was seven. No, was 11. Okay, 2011. So I'm, I'm about halfway into my career. I've, I've doubled my career length in that matter of time, and Apple was high-priced at the time. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, because, I, you know, I had just, I hadn't really worked for you that long at that point. I remember thinking to myself, he buys some high-priced stuff. Not, you know, I hadn't evolved my thought process to valuation and any of that stuff yet. I thought, it's a $100 stock he's buying. Well, you know? since then, I think it's split at least multiple, two times, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. three. Right. There were multiple... Um, it was There was like a multiple split, wasn't yeah, it? It was like a, a four-for-one, for one, a three-for-one, right, a two-for-one. Right, right. there, was, there was a bunch. But So anyway, his cost was eleven fifty-three. Yeah. Based on all the splits, because since 2011, it split several times. Um, Eleven dollars well, fifty-three cents a share. Right. Yeah. What's amazing is when you explain to somebody that's calling with Chicken Little syndrome, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying specifically that client was calling with Chicken Little syndrome, but you know, okay, this is the little bit of, of you know equity exposure that you do have, and then you explain that it's the one that that made them what they are today. Right. They go, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. I don't, no, I'm I don't good. yeah, no, I'm cool. Right. By the way, the last Apple split was in September of 2020. It was a four for one. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so let's talk about Apple then because um, it's important to us and it should be, it's really important to not only to us, it's important to the market. And just so you know, the, the stock is doing ex- extremely well today. 
it's up uh, seven seventy five or about four and a half percent. We're nearly at one seventy three. And I will just tell you this: before earnings came out on Wednesday, I did do a little bit of a little tactical strategy for some people that it, it was suitable for them to do some option work. I did write some covered calls on part of an Apple position just because in case they missed, I collect a little bit of money on that. And if they didn't miss, I put the strike price high enough at 180. Yeah, who's going to care if you have to sell it at a at a high? What I looked at is I was collecting $2.30 a share for every call that I wrote for Apple plus 180 if it got there. Exactly. So I'd be getting 182, which is all-time high. So I asked myself, would I be okay getting all-time highs for Apple? The answer was yes. So uh, it, they, that means, this, folks, that I sold someone the right to buy some of my Apple shares at 180. For that, they're paying me 230 between now and June 16th. Now, and if you're having a hard time sort of wrapping your mind around that. It's difficult. Yeah, it is. It can be a pain. Super but when abstract. You, once you get it, you get it. Basically, you're saying, hey, I don't think it's going to go over 180. You know, and somebody will say, well, I think it I think it will. And you say, well, I'll bet you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet you two bucks it doesn't. And they say, I'll take that bet. So they might pay me 230 a share. Yep. Plus, they'll give me 180 if it gets there. If it gets there, they got to buy it from you at that price. If it doesn't get to 180 by you, June 16th, you I, get keep, to, I keep their money. You get to keep and it. The you win the bet. the worthless. Yeah, and I own the stock. You win the bet. You get to keep the cash. And I've done this quite a bit on Apple in the past, so I kind of do it far. I don't really want to come out of the stock. No, no. If I wanted to come out of the stock, I would have done 175. Well, there are and I would have got paid, I would have got paid like 450. Yeah, the, the, 175. Well, I think the per you you selected the perfect strike price. There's there's not a lot of time value left. This is you know get get what you can while a you can. A month and a half. Will it go to 180 a month and a half? If it does, I don't care. Yeah, if it does, congrats. If it doesn't, congrats. Yeah. You know, and if and if you don't understand that concept, call in and I'm happy to I'm happy to teach you a class. You know, options. Uh, Recovery calls writing 101. Let's do it. I've taken the class. I'm a proud graduate. So, <laughs> and, and that is a, an advantage of working with an advisor like us because we, a third party money manager that all the big firms, the Merrills, uh, the Morgan Stanley's that they use aren't doing these things. No, no. And most of them can't do other things that we're doing as yeah. well. And we can talk about that too in a little bit. So let's get to Apple real quick. Um, they came out with a quarter that was better than I expected in the street. They they beat their earnings estimates by nine cents a share, coming in at dollar fifty two. Their revenues for the quarter, by the way, uh, Apple is on a different quarter, so that was Q two. This is not a Q- calendar quarter, right? This is Q two for Apple. The revenues for the quarter were ninety four point eight four billion. They beat that by almost two billion. Their gross margin, which I think is really important, actually increased by two tenths of one percent at forty four point three percent. Um, other products was the only other area of the market that did better expected iPhone sales and other products, but I, uh, MacBooks, iPads services all were a little bit worse than expected. Okay. But what was so key about the iPhone sales is they grew from the year ago quarter, even as the broader smartphone industry contracted nearly 15% during the same time. That's impressive. Do you think that perhaps the 5G rollout is probably what's boosting them up right now? No, I think it's India. I think it's India, too. And also, Tim Cook said, it's funny because Samsung said that they're basically dead in the water in China. Yeah. Tim Cook says they see China really accelerating here. Yeah. I mean, it's getting better in China with the reopening. And they, the CFO did say they expect sales to decline 3% mm-hmm. in the current quarter. That's the only guidance they gave because they do not give guidance. But he was, Tim Cook said that while their sales shrunk in most regions, 
in the world, mm-hmm. they grew in the Asian Pacific. Yep, they're really hyper-focused right now yeah. on that region. And he's quite optimistic in India, and he he took a, a visit to some of the new stores that were open in India. Mm-hmm. They raised month. their quarterly dividend to $0.24, cents and they authorized $90 billion in share buybacks. They've been the buyback king for the last decade. So let's uh, explain why buybacks, because this, there's, and you've said this yesterday, I think, in our or two days ago in our um, Hump Day Market Update of Facebook Live, is that the companies, as a shareholder, you can get a couple of things. You can get dividends, or you can get capital gains when you sell a stock. Mm-hmm. And what That's makes, their return on investment. It comes right. in one of two forms. Yes, and what makes your company more valuable? Earnings. You want your company to do better. And it's earnings per share because you're a shareholder. Mm-hmm. What's your share worth? So if they have less shares out there, your share is going to be worth – you have – a. It's uh, like a simple supply and demand. Like if there's have, less out there, you're a thousand more shares of stock. You have a thousand shares of stock, and you made a thousand dollars. You're you're one dollar a share. You're right. doing okay. If you have five hundred shares of stock, and you made a thousand dollars, now you're making two dollars a share. Yeah, doubled. Let so. me ask you, and I'm I'm embarrassed. I, I'm embarrassed that this is slipping my mind right now. But what do they? How do they handle uh, dividend payments on Treasury stock? Do they pay themselves a dividend? I didn't think. Uh, I know the answer really to this. Good question. I, I I remember thinking about this twenty years ago when I was studying, but I don't remember the answer. I would think that they do, because that's also a benefit of the company buying back their stock. I'm owning owning their own stock. I would think that's a great question. We could find that out and let you know hmm. next week. But that's um, interesting. Do you want to explain what treasuries are for uh, tre- treasury I'm stock? So, yeah, I'm sorry. I was I was kind of rabbit holing myself there and didn't think about explaining. But treasury stock is the stock that the the company owns of its own shares. Mm-hmm. You know, they they call themselves you know the treasury. Their 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 own ownership of their own shares is yeah. treasury. So you know, Apple doing extremely well. And what's interesting is they basically are doing a polar opposite of what they, like. Companies like Qualcomm said cell phone sales, mm-hmm. cell phone sales are, are terrible. Uh, AMD said things are terrible. Well, and we also saw them complaining about uh, PCs and just you know laptop short, but not shortages. I've been told I'm not PC. Sales. No, you're definitely as far from PC as most anybody could imagine. The told. best part though is when Lee is telling someone else like, "Oh, you can't say that anymore." I know. That makes yeah, me laugh I know. so hard. Know. Yeah, we I got know. we caught the stock doctor warning about inner office language the other day because Nikki and I have a tendency. What? Nikki and I have a tendency. You guys have the beat. worst language. We're somewhat foul mouth. <laughs> is it the best or is it the worst? Yeah, I know, right? Like, who wants to work in a staunch environment where nobody can? Also, HR sitting right here. We're just fine. Right. Yeah. Sure. No complaints. I know. It's just it's sort of like I can't believe he just said we're worse than him. <laughs> you are. Okay. As so, he proceeded to then make it. We're trying to get this thing. Up. We're not going to make thirty minutes, but okay. we're going to try. Uh, another thing that's really important. What's been happening lately? Banks have been under uh, under distress, and there have been. Uh, on the defensive, stocks have been getting hammered, regional banks. Hammered. However, we are starting to see signs of a bottom in the regional bank series as we're seeing insider buying. So um, there's been a few, some bigger regionals that have had insider buying over the past week. Uh, Zion's Bancorp, uh, Impany, Lakeland Financial, which is not Lakeland, Florida, U.S. Bancorp, which is a pretty good-sized super regional, I call it, and Wolfspeed. Uh, and just for example— the Wolfspeed Bank CEO and a director, uh, they combined for about seven hundred. I'm sorry, seven hundred fifty-three thousand shares. So 
that to me, when you have banks buying back their stocks, I mean, a director uh, of U.S. Bank Corp. Any kind of insider buying makes me think, okay, it makes me take a, a back double a look. Dollars worth. Yeah. yeah. It's, hmm, you think it's cheap enough that this is a steal. These are the guys that are kicking the tires every day. They're putting their money where their mouth is. I will say this. Insiders sell for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Could be estate planning. Could be a divorce. Could be just gotta, diversification. Gotta get a new apartment for the, Whatever it for the is. girlfriend. But insiders only buy for one reason. Yeah, because they know what's up. Exactly. So I, I think that's positive, and maybe we're seeing a bottom here in the regionals, and that would be great to see. So before we uh, end today, by the way, you can give us a call, 407-831-8002. Thank you for joining us. We, we always encourage you to please share this with your colleagues, with family, friends, people who need education and want to know more about. And we have a series. We'll be doing a series of live events and uh, web events so that you guys can get more education. I think that's critically important. But let's now talk about the last thing we're talking about today, the annual Woodstock for Capitalists meeting. That is the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, uh, the shareholder meeting held in Omaha, Nebraska. is going to happen over the weekend. I mean, I know where I'm going to be tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Yeah. In front of CNBC and my, my GMEs. Listening to Uncle Warren and I thought she was going to say, I got, the, I, got the invite to, uh, I got the invite, so I'll be in... Uh, Omaha? I'll be in Omaha. This is Mine got lost in the mail, I think, this Probably. year. This is done in front of tens of thousands of adoring fans. I'll right. be one of them. Right. And it's really interesting, but uh, Charlie Munger cracked me up. I can't wait. His little zingers? No, I'm ready. Seriously. He's the quick two, the He's two, so funny. The two of them remind me of the angry old Muppet guys who sit in the balcony and make fun of everybody. Well, I feel like it's going to be... Men? Yes. It's going to be Lee and Justin in like 50 years. You know, Warren is not that grumpy, though. No, he's yeah, well, a bit more he's, positive. He should he's be optimistic. Upbeat. Charlie, he's pragmatic. Charlie's yeah. grumpy. Charlie is, is Charlie's a little grouchy. bit a little bit of a crotchet, crotchety. Though. He's crotchety. I, and we talked about this... Recently, Charlie's ninety what? Ninety-seven. He's like ninety like seventeen, man. Like he's seriously. Yeah, he's he looks I like think he's, it was Warren was ninety-three. He looks like he sat next to. Yeah, no, Charlie was a lot older than I anticipated. I didn't realize he was ninety-seven. He looks ninety. He looks every bit of ninety-seven. <laughs> he looks. He looks ninety-seven he looks good plus for his seven. Age. Okay, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie Munger, you guys were both wrong. What? what? He's ninety-nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> Well, she, yeah, well, he that was too good for his age. That was two years ago that she looked. The number two guy at Berkshire Hathaway is 99 years old. Talk about a need for estate planning. The funny thing is, I was, talking, I was talking to another one of the advisors in, in the office, and he said, You know, the thing is that I'm feeling like Warren's getting really old, and if you, if you own it and, and he dies, what does that happen to the stock? And, and I was like, why don't you just wait? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you, why don't you, <laughs> you don't have long. Yeah. Should just We're going to find out eventually. Way, Hang Charlie, out. Charlie, number two, uh, Charlie is 99. Warren is a young 92 year old. Ah, he's spry. Well, yeah. We got plenty of time. Whippersnapper. I mean, this guy, and he eats McDonald's every day. Mm-hmm. Depending on how the market's doing, depends. It varies. So he will choose his menu items based off of that. He pays in change. Does he really? Oh yeah. Good. A man of my I love cash. Okay, but I hate change. I hate yeah, change. I mean he's jingling everywhere he goes. Yeah. I guarantee you he's got yeah, like a coin true. purse in his pocket. You know what I'm talking about? He pulls it out. Yeah. Anyway, I, I appreciate it. what those guys do and without course, a doubt. Brilliant, brilliant men and they were they were huge for the investing world and just in general. Without a good doubt. Good people. And um if you are a relative of Send Warren me an Buffett, invitation next year. Yes, you're gonna have some money, but he's giving some money away. 
Sure. Well, I mean, he's not it, just giving it to his family. But here's the thing: if he gave away a million dollars a day, how long would it take to run out of money? In his life? In his his? Oh, it never. If, if he gave away a million, no, of course not. Never. It it would be forever. He, in perpetuity. What is what is Warren Buffett's net worth? I don't know. Well, take that number and divide Qua- it by a, a quarter, million. A quarter quarter bajillion. He's worth four quadrabajillion dollars. <laughs> hey, before we wrap things up, there's a we're, we're looking at some stocks to buy. We haven't, you know, the market's been a little bit shaky, but there are some things on a watch list, and we'll we'll run these by you. However, I just want to make sure you guys understand that this is not these are not recommendations. All right, they're not recommendations. I don't know your personal situation. We'd like to though. So yeah, give us sure. a call. Sure, give us a call. We could talk about it. But if you are an individual stock buyer, I think United Healthcare may be a play. Costco, Medtronic. Believe it or not, I'm not a fan. I never thought I'd I'm not choose. a fan of Airbnb. Here's the day. I, I do not like using Airbnbs, but I'm okay making money with it. So uh, I think that stock is is priced and almost ready to go. Again, we don't own them yet. I haven't bought them yet. These are stuff the stocks we're looking at. On the screen, we're paying attention. We're we, we're initiating. What is it? Coverage with a hold. <laughs> yeah, uh, with a wait and see. But uh, Micron MU looking interesting. But certainly, if you want to get some of this, uh, some of the stocks on the list, give us a call four zero seven eight three one eight zero zero two. You have been listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I want to thank Justin Kenny. This Justin. I want to thank our Megalennial Nikki Ward for joining us. We'll be back next week. Everybody have a great week. Thanks, Lee. You're welcome. <laughs>